Hey guys, Matt here. Before we begin this episode of Anthology, I just want to mention that we are currently running a contest where you can win a free Anthology t-shirt. The contest runs from now until January 1st, 2018. If you want to enter, all you have to do is leave a rating and review of the podcast on iTunes or on Stitcher. Take a screenshot of the review and email it to matt at obsessiveviewer.com with the subject line Anthology T-Shirt Contest. On January 1st, I'll randomly select a winner from the entries and we'll get a free T-Shirt mailed to them. We'll be accepting entries until uh, until December 31st at midnight, so make sure you get the email in before then. Thank you guys for listening and enjoy this episode of Anthology. Not click back. Not reload. We have reconnected to Dimension 404. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. If this is your first time listening, Anthology is a podcast exploring science fiction anthology storytelling during television's first golden age, beginning with The Twilight Zone. Um, on ordinary episodes, each uh, episode I take one episode of The Twilight Zone and review it as a first-time viewer of the series, and then I pair it with a movie or show related to that week's episode. But in honor of uh, modern science fiction anthology shows like Dimension 404, Black Mirror, and the upcoming um, Philip K. Dick's Electric Dreams, I do regular um, bonus episode review series on modern science fiction anthology shows. And this episode is my final bonus episode for Dimension 404 on Hulu from Rocket Jump. Um, this is their... Uh, it hasn't been renewed for a second season. I don't know if it will have a second season or not, or if they'll, if it's just a kind of one and done season, but this is their final episode of that season. Um, and I, (laughs) the show aired or premiered in April and I do apologize for the delay in getting that, uh, getting this bonus episode series done, but that's neither here nor there. Anyway, you can find more of Anthology at anthologypod.com, and if you want to contact me directly, you can use the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod. You can tweet me at obsessiveviewer, or you can send an email to matt at obsessiveviewer.com. If you like what you hear and you want to help support the podcast, uh, the easiest way to do that would be to go over to iTunes and leave a rating and review. And as you heard at the top of this episode, we are running a promotion for a free Anthology t-shirt. Um, all you got to do is write a, uh, rate and review it on iTunes or Stitcher, take a screenshot, email it to me, and you'll be entered into a drawing to get a free t-shirt. Um, and yeah, the anthology t-shirts look amazing. So, um, the deadline for that is, uh, December 31st and the more ratings and reviews I get, obviously the easier it will be for people to find the show in iTunes to search results and it gives me a nice little, uh, ego boost. And finally, if you want to show show your support with your wallet, you can do that by clicking the donate button on anthologypod.com or the donate link in the show notes of this episode. You can also become a patron for recurring donations at patreon.com slash obsessive viewer, or you can buy a shirt or any kind of merch from our TeePublic store, which uh, the link to it is in the show notes. Okay, so having gotten all of that out of the way, today I'm going to be discussing Impulse, which is episode 6 and the final episode of Dimension 404's first season that premiered back on April 4th, 2017 on Hulu. Um, 
And to get us kicked off, just so you know, I'll uh, read a plot summary, uh, courtesy of IMDb, and then the review itself will be uh, spoiler-filled, so be warned. Okay, the plot description according to IMDb is a brash up-and-coming pro FPS gamer finds the edge she needs in an energy drink that gives her real-world bullet time. It's a shortcut to fame and fortune, but it might just be a shortcut through the rest of her life. And before I get to my review, of course, I'll have a brief rundown of the cast and crew. Uh, This episode starred uh, Lorenza Izzo as Val slash Speedrun. She was in The Green Inferno. Um, She was also in the movie Sex Ed with Haley Joel Osment. And uh, also, she was in the movie Holidays, which was a horror anthology film that I believe is available on Netflix now. And she's also married to Eli Roth, who directed The Green Inferno, of course. Um, co-starring in this episode as Kojima is Kenneth Choi. Uh, he was in Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, Spider-Man homecoming, sons of anarchy. And he recently, recently played judge Ito in, uh, American crime story, the people versus OJ Simpson, which even though I'm not a huge fan of, um, the showrunner of American horror story and American crime story, uh, Ryan Murphy, even though I'm not a huge fan of his work, I really liked the people versus OJ Simpson. So I definitely recommend checking that out. And then rounding out the cast as Evan is Matt Loria, who played, uh, Luke Cafferty in Friday night lights. And he was also in several episodes of parenthood in a show called kingdom that I've, I've never, uh, seen or, or am really aware of. Writer for this episode, writers for this episode were Will Campos, Des Dolly, and David Welch. Uh, Des Dolly still follows me on Twitter, but he hasn't tweeted me or anything. Um, and director for this episode is Freddie Wong. And all right, so I'm going to kind of just dive into my review here. Um, this episode, I, I mean, I enjoyed it overall. Like it was, I'll get into more clear review here in a bit but it was it was solid uh it at least had a very very uh interesting first half um some of the shots of the video games and the tournament and everything were pretty pretty cool i I kind of enjoyed the the slow bullet time effect and how um how the game how the gaming competition was depicted um to an extent then again it was also just you know, showing people playing a first-person shooter. Um, I kind of thought for a second that it would be about a uh, the main character being transported into the game or being in, in the game in some way or having the game influence her life in some way. So the whole Impulse 9 um, stretching time... Uh, snapping back time thing is was kind of a surprise and not necessarily a, a really welcome one um i'll get to that the whole dystopic uh or dystopian uh post-apocalyptic wasteland aspect of the show or of the episode and when i get deeper into the review but i just i felt like it was too sharp of a right turn and we spent quite a bit of time the first 15 20 minutes or so um getting to know this character as being a uh kind of slacker kind of shared some very some very uh 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 very clear similarities with 
the main character of Kronos. But anyway, we got to know her as this slacker who's who's kind of just avoiding um, responsibility and, and everything. And then we're, she's transported into a different world, which is, which is fine. It is also kind of the same thing I was expecting it to be, just very different. Like on the surface, it was the same. It was this girl is transported into another world. I thought that it was going to be her being transported into the game or into some kind of weird game-centric thing, but she's just transported into a uh, post-apocalyptic future. And the scenes with her father at the beginning of the episode were pretty pretty okay as, as an establishing point for the character, but um, like I like the line of, it's not what you do for a living, it's what you do while you're living. I thought that was a kind of a nice sentiment or a nice kind of theme to impart into the episode early on. But um, I, the scenes with the father and um, speedruns, her her everyday life were kind of to the detriment of that character herself. Um, she became just a very unlikable character to me early on because while yes, she is, this is what's important to her. She is a, uh, a competitive gamer and she is wanting to, she's doing this on a competitive uh, level to which she could win uh, $10,000. I mean, that's, that's something that's worth, you know, her time and everything. But it's at the expense of um, her hardworking father's daily life and her not having a not having a job and not picking up her grandmother. That kind of negative character trait from the outset. Um, that even though it's planted into the episode so that she can have a redemptive arc later in the episode, kind of just left a sour taste in my mouth, especially when the plot of the episode or the setting of the episode took such a, uh, such a sharp uh, turn halfway through into an entirely different episode almost. Um, so there was kind of a disconnect there. Also, the villain character of Kilohertz. Um, <laughs> um, God, I, I, I don't remember the last time I hated a character as much as I hated that character. And, like, you're supposed to. He's supposed to be this douchey, villainous character, but... Man, I really hated him. I really did. And it not that there was anywhere not that there was any way for him to be redemptive or there was no there was no inkling of him being a redemptive character. He's very much a straightforward villain character. Just I hated him so much more than I needed to. Um <laughs> like he 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 uh, won the hearts and minds of the of the audience as the villain, and then he went and uh, just destroyed it by just being even more outlandish and douchey. Um, also, just minor nitpick when he leaves when she's leaving the uh, <laughs> when she's it's after the first competition, and he goes up to her and he actually says "GG speedrun," like I. I don't know, like, I'm not part of a competitive FPS gaming circle or anything, but using internet acronyms in real life is, just makes me cringe just a little bit, so it made me laugh in, in kind of a bad way. 
Um, it's funny. In my notes, it says using internet acronyms IRL is really cringy AF LOL. But anyway, uh, so then after that, we get the introduction of uh, Kojima, uh, played by Kenneth uh, Choi, which I, first of all, his name Kojima has to be a reference to uh, Hideo Kojima, who created Metal Gear Solid and that whole franchise. Um, it has to be. And I really respect that because that video game series just is what got me really uh, hooked into video games, at least on the original PlayStation. Um, and I really liked some of the choices that were made with that character. Um, Kenneth Choi is just really like he, I don't want to say chewing scenery cause he's, cause he's, he's eating in every scene, but he is having so much fun with that role. Like he is the mysterious guy who has the answer. That's not very ethical and not very, uh, and is even, uh, possibly magical and everything. And he is just having a blast playing this part. And I really enjoyed every scene that had, a. Uh, Kojima in it because it was such a joy to watch, to watch him. And the way that, uh, the way that he's eating in every scene, I don't know if that was a conscious, well, I mean, obviously it was a conscious thing to have him eat in every scene that he's in, but I kind of wonder if that was a conscious reference to Ocean's Eleven, which I think it was Brad Pitt's character is eating in every scene that he appears in, in it. Um, I could be wrong about that and I apologize if I am. But yeah, to go back to Val slash Speedrun, um, as we kind of get closer to her, not demise, but her jump forward in time, after her competition, she goes home and her father is very mad, rightfully so, that he had to leave work to go pick up uh, her grandmother, uh, even though she said that she would pick her, pick her up and everything. And... This is an interesting, interesting thing because, it, uh, first of all, the main character, Speedrun, she is a complete a hole in this scene. Like she is almost irredeemably assholeish in it because, like, because she she skipped her interview. She didn't pick up the grandmother. She doesn't seem um, remorseful, or she doesn't seem that remorseful that you know her father almost got fired and. Uh, so that she could, so that he could pick up her grandmother and run the errand that she told him that he would, she would do. Um, so on one hand, yeah, she is completely out of line and, and kind of ridiculously, um, <laughs> a-hole-ish in it. But on the other hand, it's like, you would think that, you would kind of think that her dad would be a little bit more understanding, um, not necessarily of skipping the interview and not picking up the grandmother, but it seems like he is just, he's just not, um, a fan or he, he derides the whole competitive gaming aspect of her life, which that, I mean, that kind of, you would think that he would be more understanding since it's her dream and, 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 uh, and his whole kind of motto in life is that it's depends. It doesn't matter what you do, it matters uh, how you live your life. And, um, and you would think that he would be, you know, more supportive of her, but it's also like, you know, she needs to manage her time a lot like the main character in uh, Kronos. And then she kind of drops, she kind of drops a bomb on him that I'm like, this is the point where I'm like, whoa, I don't know if I, 
I don't know if I can really like um, root for her character at this point because like she is clearly in the wrong. She is clearly in the wrong for having skipped the interview and uh, shirked her responsibilities and, and left her grandmother kind of out to dry and, and for her father to risk his job and livelihood and presumably his ability to support her gaming habit. Um, she, she did all of that. So she's clearly in the wrong and then they get into a fight and then she's just like, no wonder mom left. And that line I thought was just so cruel. Like what, why would you say that? That is so mean. Um, and it's just, it was, I was just, I was kind of blown away by like, like, damn. And it, and it's, it's a nice, um, it's a nice seed that's planted there because later on she gets the, she gets the choice to abandon her family or come back and protect them. And it's kind of a similar sort somewhat similar, um, situation that she's in is that she's has the choice to leave her family or, or not. Um, so I, I don't know. I just, I just thought that Speedrun was not very likable after that scene. And, uh, like it, I think that the actual, um, setting change and the way that the plot unfolded kind of distracted me from her unlikability, but that did kind of stick with me a little bit here and there. Um, so then we get the introduction of the impulse nine energy drink and my thought, my immediate thought was how the hell is this going to improve her gaming? I don't understand it. And it's just, as the plot description says, it just slows down time and, and lets her experience bullet time. Um, uh, IRL. <laughs> so I, I thought that the slow motion in shots of the, the slow motion effect and the constant, sh- uh, appearance of the scores as they rise throughout the competition. I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. I mean, pretty standard kind of, uh, way to shoot that kind of, uh, action scene, but I, I appreciated it and thought it was, uh, entertaining. And then that's when, we get kind of a, uh, she wins the competition and that's when we get kind of the, uh, shell shocked moment where she's trans transported, um, uh, to 2029, um, uh, 2029 after impulse. Um, so this is after the world has experienced a cataclysmic event. It's a post-apocalyptic world where she is a, she is a resident of a small settlement of survivors that are trying to make 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 it in their everyday life um the best way that they can and so that moment when when it's revealed like oh she lost years of her life and is now in this completely different reality uh from what her from what she experienced before that is a very interesting concept like that alone is a very intriguing uh, way to to kind of go about telling the story, and I was on board with it, but then it kind of just, I don't know, just got kind of a little, not dull, but it just it just seemed a little confusing. Not maybe not necessarily confusing, but it seemed to get a little bit dry, really, um, because we went from experiencing her life in the present day to being just as confused as she is in a future 
that's completely different. So it kind of seemed like the episode had to play catch up or we had to play catch up with as the character was playing catch up with with her life and her world. And it just seemed a little bit like it was uh, testing the patience of me as a viewer just a little bit. Um, Then again, I should say that I did – uh, the first time I watched this episode, I had the uh, really for the longest time I've always had um, Hulu with ads. But the second time I watched it, I actually had upgraded to uh, the Hulu service with no ads, which, by the way, just it's a few dollars more. <laughs> and I've always been a uh, adamant not supporter of Hulu with ads, but I've always been one to say like, okay, well, if you complain about having ads on Hulu, then like it's not that big of a deal. It's not the end of the world. You're just spoiled by Netflix and other streaming services. But I mean, about a week or two after having uh, no ads on Hulu, I can never go back because it's it's too sweet. And so, at the beginning of her new life in 2029, I kind of my my whole thought for the entire rest of the episode was, how's she going to get back? Like, I thought that it was, I thought that the whole episode was going to be about, the rest of the episode would be about her getting back to her life and her being, you know, her seeing what hardships could befall her and, and how how horrible her life could be and how good she has it now. I expected it to be a kind of a cautionary tale or a, a more morality tale for her to improve her life in the present day. But no, she's stuck there. <laughs> That's she literally lost years of her life for decades. And, and she is now stuck with, uh, well actually no, cause she kind of dies at the end at the end. Um, presumably, but I just thought that was, that was, I was kind of expecting it to be a, a thing where she would go back to the past, but I'm, I'm okay with how it ended, but I'll, I'll get to that. um, in the whole concept of people snapping back, like the time stretching time to the point where they snap back and the snap is them losing the time between stretching and and snapping. Um, that concept was a little bit over my head at, in the first time I watched it because there was a lot of stuff being thrown at me. Um, like her, her whole, uh, competitive gaming, her boyfriend, the mysterious stranger with the energy drink, the villain character, the father, everything was being thrown at me. And then suddenly we're in a completely different world with, with now she has kids and we need to learn the, uh, the rules of the wasteland and, and these, uh, uh, these lizard people things, um, that are all mysterious and different laws. And, and it's all a lot to throw, throw at you. Um, and then you get a reference to a character snapping back and you kind of, you kind of pick up on it cause there's a scene with Kenneth Choi early in the episode that he, he, uh, explains it, but it's kind of a, a little bit of a throwaway dialogue kind of thing where he explains it and then all this other stuff happens. At least this is for me, at least all this other stuff happens and we're introduced to so much other stuff that I just forgotten about them losing time. Um, to where I was kind of playing catch up when, when the neighbor was like, Oh yeah. Did you hear that? So-and-so snap back when they were in the middle of, uh, having sex. Yeah. That's terrible. A whole, a whole marriage just down the drain. I was just like, all right. Okay. Um, I'm think I'm following you. But the second time I watched it, it was a lot clearer to me. Um, obviously cause I, cause I knew. Um, so the most interesting aspect of 
speedrun being uh, transported into or snapping into this new world and life of responsibility and no recreational time is that she is literally just pushed into um, responsibility and in adulthood. She has very adult responsibilities. She has a family to provide for. She has a job that she needs to be uh, alert for. She has several jobs that she has to be alert for and on time for and that there are very real-world consequences to her not performing her duties in, in this society. And the show doesn't really shy away from her making mistakes because that one guy gets killed because of her. Um, and it's, that's, I mean, that's a pretty dark turn for the episode, especially after it just being a, you know, uh, a competitive gamer. Um, so the episode itself is a lot like, again, it's a lot like Kronos. It's about time and responsibility. Um, but I just don't know. I still don't know how I feel about the, um, transition into, uh, into the, post-apocalyptic world like i love i like it a lot at a, at a concept level but in its execution I, I think that there's something just something that's missing there some some bridge that's missing uh to connect the two without being so jolting to it um having said that after the first day of her in her life there um we get a very nice scene with her kind of bonding with her children um and the fact that they're bonding over the video game is is kind of sweet because kind of sweet in one way and kind of uh uh kind of not disappointing but kind of sweet and kind of weird in in one sense because they're bonding over the what is arguably the one thing that she cares about um and that's how she's learning to care about her kids so i guess it makes sense now that i say that out loud but it's just funny that it's the game that brings her into adulthood and and mother and her parenthood um, also the revelation that her father's dead is kind of, uh, kind of sad and kind of the fact that she can't go back in time, that it's not a redemptive tale where she's goes back in time, having learned her, the importance of being responsible and everything in time management. Like she's now her, her dad's dead. She has no closure on that. She's, she's never going to see her dad again. That's, that's while she's in the post-apocalyptic world. That's just really kind of uh dark and, and really um really sad especially since he is as she puts it he is like the person that's supposed to guide her she and she needs him cuz she doesn't know what to do um yeah that's just it's really uh it's really uh, kind of tragic and then we get the scene where she is it's after she's uh after the game night caused her to um, miss her shift so that the, and then the guy getting killed outside of the gate. Um, we get her decision to abandon her family and the settlement and everything. So she leaves a note behind for, um, Evan and just goes out into the wasteland because she's a pulser and she's, she's snapped back and she's not equipped to, to live in this world. And this on the first, on the first uh, viewing of it, I kind of thought like, okay, that's kind of, that's, that's uh that's interesting. That's, that's kind of interesting. But on the second one, I kind of realized that, yeah, she's just doing the same thing that her mother did to uh, her and her father. And I kind of thought that that would be, 
that would come into play um, a little bit in her uh, decision to go back. Um, I kind of wish that there would have been like maybe one line of dialogue where it was like, uh, I don't want to be like my mother or something like that. But then again, it also wouldn't have fit well because the only person that she could say that to would be Kojima and what would he care? He he doesn't have any connection to her. So I, I can forgive the episode that. Um, so she finds the place where Kojima is and um, <laughs> this is uh, this is his last scene and he's eating something out of a tin can. I can't tell if it's tuna or if it's supposed to be cat food, but... Uh, but I just, I, I just really got a kick out of, uh, uh, kind of Troy's performance. But one thing I didn't notice in the background was, uh, there was a poster for the movie, the guest, which is an awesome movie, um, from Adam Wingard. Um, just a really good movie. Um, so I appreciated that kind of piece of, uh, set design. So she's given a choice to, um, really she's given the option to uh, essentially kill herself um, by just downing a giant thing of impulse nine. I think it's like a double shot, like a, like a double um, like extra strength impulse nine, Um, which this is a really interesting concept. Like the idea that um, this whole, like everyone on the planet, not everyone on the planet, but people on the planet who were into this impulse nine energy drink that suddenly snapped back, um, into the, into this post-apocalyptic future and then were sent into the wasteland. Uh, the idea of them going into, or the idea of them basically killing themselves by downing an entire bottle of impulse nine so that they can experience this bullet time and stretch out their time, up until they die of old age or however they die without experiencing that. That's a very f- kind of fascinating look at, um, or fascinating kind of fascinating science fiction concept for the afterlife and, and dealing with, with your remaining time on the planet. That's, that's just, I kind of wish that there was a little bit more explored there. Like I would have, I would have loved to see an episode with this concept that dealt with like a character taking that choice and then while experiencing this bullet time kind of having like an, ex, uh, an eternal sunshine of the spotless, uh, wow. An eternal sunshine of the spotless mind moment where she realizes that she wants to go back and, and wants to try to snap herself out of it. Um, that would have been an interesting thing, but, um, I love that it's introduced as the, as a, uh, concept and that was kind of thought provoking and, and interesting to me. And I thought that it was sweet, but a little kind of, eh, no, nah, I won't, I won't, I won't deride the episode for it at all. It was sweet. It was sweet that the drawing that her child made for her is what brought her back, um, and made her decide to go back to her, her life and, and everything. Um, that was very sweet because it, it is a picture of her of her drawn by her child saying that she's her hero. Um, it's, it's, it was a sweet moment and a proper, um, uh, proper, uh, reason to, to bring her back. Um, and then the scene with her pleading with Evan at the gate is, uh, pretty interesting. Uh, I don't know. I, I liked it. I liked their back and forth, but also, 
I mean, he's kind of a dick. Like he's he's mad because she's like he he loves this woman and has a family with this woman, and then suddenly he is on the fence about spending the rest of his life with her because he is under the assumption that she's I guess the I guess the allegory is that she's a drug addict, but she's just suddenly not the person that he married, which I mean, yeah, that's tragic and everything. And that's, that's terrible, but she's still the same human being. And she, he should know like how he's lived in this world for so long that he knows what it's like, or he knows how people feel about snapping back or how, how it feels for them to snap back. Cause they've literally lost all that time. You know, he should maybe be a little bit more sympathetic to his wife. Um, <laughs> but he's, you know, He's prepared to just leave her in the wasteland. That's kind of kind of a, a little shocking, I guess. Um, and then we get the death lizards that uh, come to raid the village, which I don't know. I mean, the death lizards, they were hinted at throughout the back half of this episode, and then it's revealed that they're people, which, first of all, I don't know how Speedrun deduces that the death lizards are people because she sees them off in the distance and it's all that she can see is this big dust plume of them moving. And so, I mean like a, a stampede of animals could make that same thing. I don't know. I'm nitpicking at this point, but I just thought that that was kind of a, a little bit of a leap. And then I also thought it was, uh, kind of funny that it was just, it was just a handful of people. Um, like there was like five people. I mean, they're all armored and, and everything, are all armed and everything, but uh, but I just thought it was funny that this whole settlement is is in jeopardy because of about a handful of people. Um, and so she speedrun kind of embraces her uh, responsibilities as an adult in this post apocalyptic world, and she defends the settlement from uh, from the death lizards, kills a bunch of them, including. Uh, Killer Hertz, who pops up because why not? He just, he needed to, uh, come back. Uh, which I mean, I guess that makes sense because I, I like the idea of him, uh, snapping back into this world and then embracing the world as this, uh, terrible wasteland and becoming the villain of the wasteland. Um, I really liked the, I, or I really enjoyed the, kind of action scene at the end with the, where she drops the, the impulse nine and then everything goes in slow motion. Um, it's implied that she dies. Uh, if I remember correctly, she gets shot a couple of times and then it, the episode closes with her kind of laying on the ground dying. Uh, kind of a dark ending. Uh, like again, I was kind of hoping that it would be a story of her going back to the present day and, having redeemed herself and learning a valuable lesson. But I mean, now we get, or instead we get her being jumped forward into this, into this world and then getting killed in it after finding out her dad died and everything. And she has a family. It's, it was kind of, I don't know, kind of, uh, it was kind of, troublesome to me as a, as a story. I mean, it just, it just didn't really sit that well with me, but I did appreciate the arc that speedrun went through. And I, I appreciated the kind of, uh, the kind of, uh, callback to her leaving her family and her and her mother have, having done the same thing, even though, even if it wasn't 
specifically referenced. I thought that was a nice, a nice touch there. Um, so overall, I would say I'm, I'm kind of lukewarm on this episode. I think it's a fairly solid episode with some interesting concepts that are explored and, and, uh, played around with. Um, it just did not go the way that I expected it to. Not that that's ever really a bad thing. And I did enjoy the episode quite a bit more the second time I saw it, but overall it just still felt like something was missing to kind of bridge that gap between speed run, the gamer person to speed run, the sheriff and sanitation person for this, uh, community, <laughs> um, in a post-apocalyptic world. So overall I thought it was, I thought it was solid and I guess I kind of want to take this time to kind of talk about dimension 404 in general. Um, now that I finally reviewed all six episodes, I, I think it was a pretty solid, um, a pretty solid, uh, season of television or season of anthology science fiction television. Um, they did some pretty interesting things. It's not, it's not the next black mirror. I don't think it ever purported itself to be the next black mirror and to, to, to judge it against black mirror is both unfair, but also kind of expected because that's kind of the state of the world. Now those are pretty much the only modern anthology sci-fi shows except for electric dreams and hopefully more down the road. Um, hopefully we'll get more and I'll keep doing these bonus reviews, but, um, it never, it never wanted to be black mirror. It was just this fun, campy, um, sci-fi anthology show, which I appreciated. I did enjoy that. It had some episodes that really played with, um, uh, some fun concepts and were kind of rooted in, uh, each episode kind of had its distinct, thing that it was kind of rooted in. Like there's the arcade episode, there's the time travel episode and the movie buff episode. It's, it's all kind of tailored to, um, a specific type of geekdom or, or, or nerd culture or obsession (laughs) even. And it was done pretty well. And I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And also they got some pretty interesting, um, stars for it too, uh, throughout the season. So if they do a second season, I would, I'd be happy to review it and, uh, I would be excited about it also. Um, but as of now they haven't announced anything and I, I would think at this point that probably won't happen, but we'll see. I do have a Google alert set up for dimension 404, so I'll find out whenever they announce it. And then, uh, yeah, You'll, you guys will hear me talk about it over the course of about a year um, after they release it. But that does it for my bonus review series for uh, Dimension 404. And my next bonus review series will be Season 4 of Black Mirror. They haven't announced a release date yet. So I'm kind of looking forward to having a little bit of downtime to get caught up on my Twilight Zone reviews and get get back on track with recording and releasing episodes on a consistent basis. Um, but I would expect that black mirror should, I wouldn't be surprised if it's announced to be, uh, released sometime in December. That's, that's my, that's my wild estimation. My wild guess. I think I may have also mentioned it on an episode of the podcast before, but 
that's what I'm banking on. And uh, whenever they do release it, I will be back to talk about that. In the meantime, check out the main podcast feed um, for my reviews of The Twilight Zone. Um, each episode is kind of tied to or coupled with a um, bonus review related to that week's episode. So, yeah, that's that's it for this bonus review series. Sorry, I'm a little bit uh, rusty on this, but I'm looking forward to getting back into it and getting back to more consistency on the feed. Um, if you like what you've heard, make sure you, that you go and check out my other podcasts from obsessiveviewer.com. You can find those at obsessiveviewer.com slash podcasts. And again, if you want to support the show, uh, you can leave a rating or review on iTunes, or you can uh, donate to the podcast through PayPal or by clicking the link, or <laughs> donate to the podcast through PayPal by clicking the donate button on anthologypod.com, or for recurring payments, go to patreon.com slash obsessive viewer. And okay, and yeah, so my uh, next, next time on Anthology, I'm going to be reviewing Nick of Time. And the bonus review is actually going to be an episode of the 1980, uh, 1980s Twilight Zone, uh, Profile in Silver slash Button Button. Uh, Button Button, I believe, is the basis, or is the, uh, it's the uh, Richard Matheson story that was the basis for that movie, The Box, or The Button, The Box. I think it was The Box with uh, Cameron Diaz. We'll find out next time. Uh, yeah, so... Without further ado, thank you guys so much for listening, and I'm happy to be back, and I can't wait to, uh, to you know, uh, get more podcasts out to you. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Anthology, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. For more of Anthology and a full archive of my episodes, go to anthologypod.com. And if you want to help support the show, the easiest way you can do that is by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. You can also make donations to the show courtesy of the donate link in the show notes of each episode and on anthologypod.com. For recurring donations, you can become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer and just choose one of the Anthology reward tiers. If you enjoy Anthology, feel free to check out The Obsessive Viewer, a weekly movie and TV podcast I host with my friend Tiny and occasional guest co-hosts over at ObsessiveViewer.com. You can also join The Obsessive Viewer Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. For book reviews and commentary on the world of reading, check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com. And for philosophical discussions from a secular viewpoint, check out my friends Chad and Amanda at thesecularperspective.com. Finally, if you'd like to contact me with your thoughts on the show, my reviews, my bonus reviews, or for any other reason, you can tweet me at obsessiveviewer, send me an email at matt at obsessiveviewer.com, or send me a message on Facebook and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash anthologypod. Once again, thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.